0: Well, we have finally arrived uh, at that time of year as you know this week is thanksgiving and then soon after comes christmas and then soon after is the new year amen during those times we often have uh... many gatherings of families and friends for for good and bad you know what i mean when i say good because it's nice to see family members Uh, But some of you know what I mean when I say bad, Uh, because sometimes you can have uh, some of those family members uh, uh, with you who don't act as holy as you act. Some families, when there's a get-together, there's also lots of drama to go along with it. And that drama is the reason why some people even hesitate. Well, you know, maybe I'm not going to go and be with the family this year. Oh, we know what you're saying. What you're saying is you don't want to hear the drama this year. I don't want to go because you know Uncle Jack. Uncle Jack is always getting drunk. And I don't want to go because of Cousin Jill. uh, Because Cousin Jill always acts a fool. But as you know there are also great times as well. Great family members, great friends to reconnect after not seeing them for a while. It's just a wonderful time. But then one of the things that I like about this season, and for some of us this season didn't begin on Thanksgiving this season actually began uh, back on Halloween and for some folks it didn't begin then, it began back on Labor Day and for some it didn't begin then, it began all the way back on the 4th of July. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? All the food Thanksgiving from turkey to ham hog moths macaroni and cheese stuffing, and everything else in between. For most people, this is that time of feasting. It begins in Thanksgiving. It goes all the way through the new year. Boy, can't you just smell the biscuits now cooking in the air? That nice butter. So I know when you... When you looked at today's bulletin and you saw the title of the message, you said to yourself, what's up with that? Deciding if fasting is right for you? Uh, My words, pastor. How in the world can you preach on a subject about fasting at a time when it's time to feast? Why would you select such a topic to preach right before Thanksgiving because surely you're not calling the church to fast before Thanksgiving, are you? I hear what you're saying. And I would tell you to hold on to see what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. Fasting is one of those uh, activities, spiritual activities we see in Scripture, like anointing with oil. Uh, That uh, some of us think that it may not be necessary, while others say, yes, we need to do it. And as most of you know, as a church, we regularly fast uh, once a year. Uh, Our our time is not set, the length is not set, but we know that once a year, we do fast. We fast uh, for individual reasons. We fast as a family, your own individual families, but also we, we fast as a church uh, to have one specific goal in mind. But then again, some of you may have grown up in other churches, have wondered about this topic, about fasting, and really didn't understand how it really fit into this whole spiritual discipline at all. Well... Today's message brings us to a moment when tensions continue to develop between Jesus as the people wondered how spiritual are you really Jesus Jesus can you imagine looking him square in the face in the eyes and basically asking the question are you really that spiritual Can you imagine asking God that? And they do this questioning, by questioning the act of fasting. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. There is a tendency to disregard the uh, obvious for the habitual. There is a tendency to disregard the obvious for the habitual. Verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And the people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? Uh, but your disciples do not fast, uh, Mr. Jesus. Why is everybody else spiritual but you and your boys? Fasting was a spiritual discipline. Uh, it's interesting that both uh, the, uh, the Pharisees and the disciples of John recognized. They understood that somehow this was important for them and their group. But we also remember now, remember what John the Baptist thought of the Pharisees and the scribes do you remember that how John the Baptist called the Pharisees and the scribes he called them you brood of vipers so how is it possible now that John the Baptist boys and the Pharisees and the scribes uh, they now get together To in essence criticize Jesus. Clearly, these two groups were polar opposites in the way they approached their religious practices. Because both of these groups, they obviously they practice fasting, they practice prayer and other ceremonial activities. You know, like going to the temple if need be. But then again, how can it appear? that they both were riding on the same train down the same track but I would tell you just like in many of our churches today we hear the same message that everybody else hears and we walk down the same road until we realize that some have not really been close to the Lord in the first place they only appeared like they were close to the Lord it looked as if they were from us but they were not of us how is that possible that everybody in the church can receive a different message some go out and do the same thing that they did before they came into the church while others they fall convicted before the Holy Spirit and want to live in obedience to God yet one more week understand then that John the Baptist and his disciples, they understood their religious state with all honesty, sincerity, being very true to their calling. On the other hand, you had the Pharisees. They were hypocritical. And as a sect, while uh, operating in their religious practice, as one would push a button on a machine, it's like getting into your car, putting the key in and turning the ignition and just simply expecting things to happen. Uh, that's the way they live their religious life. Uh, they would say their prayers. They would do their fasting, expecting things just to happen because they did it. Some people view church the same way. Uh, just because, Lord, I came to church today, surely you're going to honor that because I walked in the church. Oh, no, I'm not going to listen to anything the preacher has to say. But because I walked through those doors, surely you're going to do something special in my life. For the Pharisees, it was hypocritical. And religious state was just routine. So out of these two reproaches, one true and one hypocritical, we get a single zealous thought about the practice of fasting. So one was hypocritical, and the other was true and honest. And I tell you, it can be very dangerous when both your friends and your enemies come after you. When you have your friends and your enemies come against you, who can you turn to? In this place, we must make sure beyond the shadow of a doubt Be sure about ourselves, be sure about our calling, and be sure about the Lord. As a matter of fact, even if you doubt yourself, I uh, would invite you to go find a true, trusted friend and talk it over with them. If you ever find yourself in this place, you need this, because it can be, on the other side, a a case in which God wants to guide you. And we don't want you to be hard-hearted and disobedient, so ask someone who you can really trust. So it is possible for John's disciples and the Pharisees uh, that they, uh, they had an air of curiosity. Uh, not necessarily because they were mad at Jesus, but they were just wondering if everybody else d- is doing it, why aren't you? Even today, some people insist that believers should fast while others don't feel the need. Well, I don't need to fast. Do you look at them funny or do you, you leave them alone? What do you do? How, how do you regard them? Now, uh, this subject of fasting. Fasting for the Jews, it was a requirement on the Day of Atonement. You know the Day of your Atonement, Yom Kippur. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27. Leviticus 23, verse 27. Now on the 10th day of the 7th month is the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Uh, That word afflict yourselves, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about fasting. Denying yourself. But also I want you to know that during the time of Zechariah the prophet, there were other customary fasts in place. Uh, The Jews would also, uh, during the course of, uh, of the year, there were four other times in which they could fast. And some of the stricter Jews, they would fast twice a week. And they would do it as a regular habit, as as customary for them. Uh, I recall years ago, my wife and I, our, our family, we used to fast every single Wednesday. Every Wednesday, our family, we fasted. And this went on for years. And then once, I believe at the end of this period, that I believe God spoke to us in a very strong way I told my wife we're done because you can start doing things and they can become a habit even spiritually that eventually they mean nothing to you so you want to make sure that you are in lockstep with where the Spirit wants you to be so for the Pharisees here in Luke uh, chapter 18, verse 11, Luke 18, 11. Uh, They would fast, and I know that Jesus is speaking uh, such parabolically in, in, in some sense, but he says, the Pharisees standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. And here it is, verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Yeah, and you still uh, tithes time too from other people. So here they were lifting lifting fasting up as something to boast in. I tell you, if you're boasting about your fasting, if you're boasting about your tithing, if you're boasting about going to church, if you're boasting about all those other things, to God, you might as well not do it in the first place. Because you see, God does not look on the exterior. He does not look on your actions. Right? Because your actions can say one thing. I mean, just look at it. Look at the, uh, the, the, the entire uh, string of our political figures that continue to go to jail in this area. They look good for what they're doing, but when you begin to look at what's underneath the surface, you find out there's nothing but dead men's bones. Uh, so our actions uh, really don't mean a hill of beans. It is God who looks not at the outside, but God who looks where? At the heart. Say it again. God does not look at the outside. He's not looking at your actions, That He's looking at your what? I want you to say my heart. Say it. So God is looking at my heart, uh, wondering, are you truly, indeed, connected with him? This is the reason why uh, that you may feel no joy when you fast. This is the reason why that you may feel no joy when it's time to give. I love giving I love when it's time for God to call us to fast and I love to pray I love any I love all those spiritual disciplines I love to worship that way because it's something that I know that pleases my Lord so I do it out of the cheerfulness of my heart but why is there a need to fast in the first place why why do we fast in the first place please turn with me to Isaiah as my Australian friend says Isaiah Uh, Chapter 58, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. Uh, You get a chance, you can read this whole chapter a little bit more context, but for now. Uh, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, uh, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. read read, read it carefully seven is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him or her and not to hide yourself from your own flesh what your own flesh simply means that people who are related to you so when you're fasting right The prophet Isaiah is saying, you can't be hiding from uh, uh, your nephew Jojo. You, You can't be hiding from that sister or brother that's in need. So not only do you take care of people who are outside of your family, but also in your family. This is what Isaiah the prophet is saying, when you fast. So if we read the entire chapter through, we will discover plenty of reasons to fast. Humbleness coming to the Lord in humbleness breaking the bonds of wickedness removing the yoke release the oppressed sharing with the hungry bring homeless folks into your home resulting in healing light breaking forth bringing glory to the Lord it's breaking through calling on the Lord and he answers all of this is inherent within fasting fasting it increases our sensitivity towards God and people. You hear that? So when you get into those moments and, and you want to fast, know that it increases your sensitivity not only towards God, but also for other people as well. Therefore, we must ask the reason why the Pharisees and the disciples of John were fasting. If they were fasting for the very reasons laid out by Isaiah, we say amen and you get it and you're on the right track. But if not, we know God is not pleased with that. So with the disciples of John, uh, joining in the criticism, the actions of Jesus, it constitutes a chipping away of Jesus' base group of folks. You hear what I'm saying? Listen to what I'm saying uh, very carefully now. John the Baptist's disciples plus Pharisees slash scribes if they were part of this particular group that they were chipping away at Jesus and his group of men "Well, you say, well how do you make that jump I don't see that anywhere well if you recall in Scripture you know that uh, some of the men who followed Jesus they were formerly disciples of John the Baptist And if you were a disciple of John the Baptist and you go join with Jesus and then some other uh, true John uh, the Baptist disciples come and start talking about, why aren't you all doing this? You know better than that. How is that going to make you feel? Well, wait a minute. We always did this. Everybody is spiritual. And here I'm hanging out with this guy. Maybe I need to defect and maybe I need to go back from whence I came. You see, the devil is very subtle. He is very subtle about how he comes after you. And sometimes you may not even know it's him. You may not know just because, you know, why aren't you fasting? Well, how can that be the devil? Because he's trying to uh, take away and chip away at your strength. And as you can imagine, that could sway the opinions of some of Jesus' disciples as well. So then, how does Jesus respond to these accusations about him? And his disciples not fasting Mark chapter 2 verse 19 20 Jesus said to them can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them as long as they have the bridegroom with them they cannot fast the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then They will fast in that day so whether you fast or whether you don't fast please consider Jesus Jesus responds by asking a series of questions used to elicit a very deep thought and reflection on their part and oftentimes, a, a, a very quick answer to some of our questions may not really help us. But in the struggle to answer the question that we want, oftentimes we will get the response that's needed on the inside of us. Think about it. How helpful f- was it for you when your parents uh, told you to do something? You would say, Well, why do I have to do it? You remember those days? And then just like clockwork. I remember I did this the same thing to my kids too. I guess this is what I was taught. Right? Your kids ask you, you tell them to do something and they say, well, why do I have to do it? Come on. You know what you say, parents. What do you say? Because I said so. Right? I'm bad and I'm Bigger than you until you're no longer bigger than them and they're bigger than you, then you have to figure out something else and another way to talk to them. Because I said so. But if you can imagine, and I know some of you all are not gonna like this. If you can imagine, well, honey, consider this. If you don't get this done, you know, if you don't take care of that garbage, you know, you know, the garbage is gonna pile up in the kitchen. And if that garbage piles up in the kitchen, uh, we might get bugs and little critters running around here. And if we get bugs and little critters running around here, then you know they may end up in your bed. And if they end up in your bed while you sleep, is that a position that you want to have yourself in? And your kid steps back, put their hand on their chin, mother father you are right let me get this garbage and I will never complain again right that works every single time right so not just because I said so uh, but when you give them something to think about and then when they have to struggle and consider and flip it back and forth then they come to this realization because we know all of our kids are like that right Matter of fact, this works so well with Jesus, they crucified him. Uh, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they had the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. So Jesus, he begins uh, to answer these questions uh, through verses 19 through 22 uh, in the form of three uh, short parabolic types of statements. Number one, 19 and 20 was the wedding guest and the bridegroom. Uh, 21 is the unshrunk or the new cloth on the old garment. And then 22, the new wine into the old wineskins. So can uh, the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Right? Uh, The question anticipates a negative response from the listeners. Is it possible for... Uh, the wedding guests to fast while the bridegroom is with them. Well, number one, when they had a, a wedding celebration in those days, it wasn't like the uh, rehearsal dinner and then, boom, uh, you have the wedding. Right? And I know for some of the other guys, you have like your, 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 your bachelor parties and your bachelorette parties and all this other stuff. It, not that kind of stuff. But when they had a party in these days, uh, their wedding party lasted seven days. They had a party every single day. Isn't that cool? Well, you may not say that now because you've got TV and all this other stuff to do. But if you had all this other stuff to do, you would come and you would party for seven days. Remember Jesus and the wedding in Cana? Yesterday as I was uh, uh, putting uh, final touches on my message, I typically always take a break. And I decided to have breakfast. about 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. So I was already working for many hours. Get up, and I decide to have breakfast. And I'm thinking about this message. And you know, I throw the skillet on the, on, the, uh, on the stove. And I get all my stuff and get ready to cook this, this creation. I'm like, yeah, 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 because I'm nice and hungry now. And right when I'm getting ready to mix my, uh, mix my things up, something says, fast. And I pause. And I'm like, wait a minute. And my stomach said, and I said, okay, you got it, Lord. And then I, you know, I, I got a glass of water. I went on back upstairs and I continued to work. And I, and, and I reached this passage. And I said, ironic, Lord. But here you say in this passage that can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? And here I'm about to go to a wedding and you're calling me to fast? And i ask the question why lord he says because if that wedding would be very true and if i were there there would be no reason for you to fast but because i'm not going to be there in essence you need to fast for me fasting creates a different atmosphere than a wedding as you can envision So Jesus goes to tell them as long as the bridegroom is present with them, they cannot fast. It is not that they don't have the ability to fast. It's that it would be senseless to fast. Imagine if you would that uh, the person who you like to text or call the most on your phone. Think of that person right now. Right? You text them all day or if they're out of town, you're texting them you're calling them or Skyping them or periscoping them or any other thing they get out here uh, to connect with them on a daily basis. You're doing that. Now imagine uh, that once they came back into your presence and the thing that you do, you turn your back and you continue to text. So the reason that people would fast in the first place was in order to increase their sensitivities to God, to, to have a nearness to God and also with people. So, if God is in your presence, why would you fast? Same thing if your husband, your wife, or your best friend is in your presence, why would you continue to text him? It would be ridiculous. So, Jesus proposes that uh, the time for deep interconnectedness is is right now because you have one before you that's better than all, and that is Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 56. His explanation, uh, Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he could see my day. He saw it and was glad. So Jesus says, when Abraham saw, do you get that? He says, when Abraham saw his day, when Abraham saw him, what does that tell you about Abraham, dead or alive? How could Abraham see Jesus and his day? In order to see Jesus and his day, Abraham had, To be what? He needs to be, come on, alive. Try it again. Abraham needs to be what? Alive. Jesus says that Abraham saw his day. So Jesus was inferring that the time for celebration is now because the one they have sought all along was so near them they could reach out and touch him. What sense would it make to continue waiting for that special someone to arrive when they're standing right in front of you? Jesus is the one they had been waiting for and is the one they had fasted for. Jesus is the bridegroom. This revelation by Jesus was not just for the sake of giving information, but for the sake of inviting them into relationship. Saying, no, 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 you don't need to fast. You're worrying about fasting the one that you're fasting for and to sense and to receive their presence. I'm standing right here, right now. The time is not now to fast because I'm here so Jesus predicted the day would come when the bridegroom would be taken away from them why would the bridegroom ever be taken away because he did come after all to claim his bride this was prophetic uh, indicating there was soon coming a time when Jesus would not physically be present with them you get that he was saying there was coming a time when Jesus when he would not physically be present with them And at that time, they would have to come to grips with that reality. So, when the bridegroom is no longer present, then it will be necessary to fast because you will desire his presence so much. So, know this then the newness of Christ is incompatible with the oldness of your ways. The newness of Christ is incompatible with the oldness of your ways. Mark 2, verse 21. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. You know, there's uh, certain things that simply don't go together in life, right? We already know that oil oil and water doesn't mix, right? But we also know that water and Cheerios don't mix either. Both the unshrunk cloth and the new wineskin speaks of Jesus and his ministry and how the old ways of doing things simply will not work Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 speaks about being transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewing of your mind. You always speak of the traditions which the Pharisees, not John's disciples, would insist people take part in whatever their heart was, whether their heart was right or not. And oftentimes the Pharisees, they had extra biblical activities that they had uh, put together so they could have the appearance of being holy when they were not. This is the reason why we don't talk in holy voices around here. This is why we don't talk in V's, the, thousands and anything else that you can possibly imagine because some would, w- w- would think by acting that way and ladies uh, you're not holy if, you're, if you don't have a, a dress on, if you have pants on then you're going to hell no 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 because I knew some women who wore dresses to church all the time and they were not nothing but hell so don't tell me that wearing a dress makes you more holy than someone else or what makes you holy is the fact that you don't wear makeup come on give me a break God planted these flowers out here God loves color so if you wanna put color on your face that's good amen and thank you Jesus but please don't look like bozo this is why we don't have the super spiritual voices and neither do we insist on wearing collars wearing a suit or walking around with a staff or a fancy hat on our head what is that I mean I get it we get it but that does not make you holy Because one day when we stand before God, God is going to look at us with his eyes of flaming fire and all that stuff is going to burn up around us. And he's either going to say yay or nay based on your relationship with him. The fact is, there is no other way for new wine to be contained unless it is held in new wineskins. Why is that? Because the new wine, the new power of the Spirit through Jesus Christ can only be uh, contained uh, via the Holy Spirit in the new creation. No new creation, uh, no wine of Jesus in your life. This is the reason why when the scripture says that one day when we die that we all, in the blink of an eye, we all will be changed. Right? It's not because that we have to die, we have to go through this process is because the bottom line, this is what I believe, that if we stood before the holy God right now in our present form, that we would be completely destroyed. Right? These bodies cannot contain fully who we will be one day. Amen? That one day uh, that uh, we will look with God in, in all his splendor and we will shout, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And we'll be able to do that without being destroyed. So God, give me my new body so I can be in your presence today. New wine. Give me that new wine skin today. So this speaks to our heart. That if you trust in Jesus... Why would you continue to act like you used to? How is it possible? And how is it even compatible in the first place? The answer is simply no, it's not. It will not work. And our struggle continues to plague us because the inner being is not grounded in Christ to begin with. Our inner being can't effectively deal with what's going on outside of us because we have not understood. Uh, fully and totally, uh, everything that's going on the inside of us. Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter three. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter three. What you to find about uh, verse seventeen? start at verse fourteen. For this reason, for this reason, verse fourteen, Ephesians chapter three. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father here all the way back to verse 18, may have strength to comprehend. Paul is praying that we may have strength to comprehend the fullness of God's love. In other words, Paul is saying that at the present that we don't have it in us to completely understand the fullness of who God is and the love that he has for us we are not able and once we're able to do so uh, that when God gives us the revelation then we can shout for joy then we can live for him when we truly can comprehend that's my prayer for you that you would have the strength that I would have the strength to comprehend with all the Saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that surpasses knowledge that means even now god i don't get it all away and i believe god would tell me yes you really don't understand the way i understand and then what i would do is say lord help me then and then god he gives us little glimpse back and forth of his love towards us to uh, for us to receive it to understand it, and to live for him and to tell others about the graciousness of his personhood finally one very important thing we must remember and that's this a couple of things number one uh, this passage really was not about fasting it really has to do with Jesus Christ they're really just questioning him questioning his intents but also remember this even though Jesus he talked about how can you fast if you have the one that you've been looking for but come on Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 Matthew 4 1 and 2 I think it better if we just read it ourselves Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after what? There you go. 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Huh. So Jesus, the one, is telling him, no, we're not fasting because, uh, uh, because of this, that, and the other. But here, Jesus is actually fasting. So if we're saying that, no, we don't need to fast, but yet Jesus himself fasted, what does that tell us? That we probably do need to fast at times. Amen? But this kind of fasting was also accompanied by prayer. This time of preparation was anticipation of the challenge that Jesus would soon face by the temptation of the adversary. So again, not only does fasting draws near to God and draws near to one another, but also helps us in preparation for a major spiritual challenge fasting can be hard but it helps us in preparation for a major spiritual challenge and i believe this is why the lord called me to fast yesterday because i did not want to do it i'll tell you i didn't want to do it i didn't want to do it because i'm like man and then especially when i went through all that you know i just you know i didn't want to do it but you know i knew it looked like some other stuff was going there's no telling what else would have happened So we need to remember that Jesus is the focus of all spiritual disciplines and that if we are uh, uh, to be in it to please ourselves or to get something that is frivolous, then we're completely missing the point. You and I must commune with the Lord. This is what this is about. Fasting if we fast to be in the presence of our Lord. Make sure that it's not mechanized and you're not doing it for show. Nearer to Jesus we must get And yes, we must do whatever it takes to get there. Let's pray.